Good morning. Thanks for being here and worshiping with us this morning and those joining us online. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 26 this morning. You can scan the QR code or turn in your hard copy. We encourage everybody to be in the Word of God. Yesterday, uh, I attended the Bison game. We have ushers coming down the aisles, by the way. If you need a Bible, uh, slip a hand up. They'll get one to you. It's at the Bison game, and it was a great game, but one of the things they did um, is they gave tribute and honor to veterans, and that was a really powerful, powerful moment. And so what I'd like to do this morning is, if you're here um, and you're a veteran, you've served in the military, uh, I, I would ask that you would just stand, or if you're currently serving, uh, would you also stand? And Because I, I think that uh, we owe it to you just to, just to give you thanks. So if that's you, would you stand up? Thank you. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. And man, we've gathered to give uh, worship to you and honor to you. And thanks for the privilege and the honor we have to gather in this place in freedom. Thank you for the men and the women who have served our country. Would you bless them? Would you encourage them? Would you give them favor even this day? God, teach us to abide. And one of the ways that we do that is through your word. And I pray that you would teach us your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I'm going to conclude the series, Discipled. Uh, we've called it the 10 marks or the 10 indicators of what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What are some of those things that we can look at? And we've talked about things like dependence on God. And we've talked about regular worship and a display of the fruit of the spirit and being obedient to God and relational community and humility. And we talked about practicing bless. That's the acronym bless disciple making generous living. And today I'm going to talk about spiritual gifts. Uh, if you're following along, know your spiritual gifts. First 11 verses. It says this, he says now about the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or another, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of the healing by the same Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of the tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. The spiritual gifts that are mentioned here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is just one of three places that spiritual gifts are mentioned. And you can look at 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and Romans 12. And you can look at those three passages and you can kind of put together a pretty good list of the different spiritual gifts. 
So 1 Corinthians was a book that was written back to the the church of Corinth and they were asking all these questions and so Paul uh, is responding to a lot of their questions that they were asking. And so by this point in the book, uh, this is what he's covered. He's talked about wisdom from the spirit, dealing with the immoral brother, lawsuits for believers, sexual immorality, marriage, food, sacrificed idols, warnings from their past, the believer's freedom, proper worship, the Lord's Supper, and now spiritual gifts that we see in chapter 12. And he's gonna talk about the body. I like, I like to think of the church as kind of like a, a, a puzzle. Personally, I'm not really uh, into puzzles. I'm really not that good with puzzles unless they're like 10 pieces or less. If you, you know, Some of you can relate to that probably. I'm amazed at how some people can sit at a table or a card table and put together puzzles like hours on end. Um, and others are not so gifted. Lori, uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, enjoys a good puzzle now and then. For a while, we had this big puzzle all spread out on a card table, and she would sit sometimes, and she would put together the puzzle, and she'd say, would you like to join me? And I'd say, no. <clears throat> I like to watch. But um, one time when we were dating, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to impress her, and I'm going to get this really complex puzzle and put it together um, of Tony the Tiger. And I worked and I worked and I worked at it and um, I couldn't figure it out. And I just gave up and I called Lori. I said, can you, can you just come over and help me? Um, it's embarrassing. She arrived and, and she looked at the puzzle and then she looked at me, she looked at the puzzle, she looked at me, she said, okay, I'm gonna help you. I said, the first thing we need to do is put all the cornflakes back in the box. <clears throat> That's my kind of puzzle. Some people are just gifted that way. But God is a master of puzzles. He thrives on finding the right pieces and seeing the big picture. He loves to see it all work together and come together. As he spreads the pieces out, he knows that in the end, every piece has a place. He spends hours and days and years putting together this master puzzle. Today the passage will draw our attention to our purpose. It'll draw our attention to passion and giftedness and most importantly, God's unique design of every single person, every individual. Because God created you with a purpose. I hope that you know that. He was not obligated to create you. He was not talked into creating you. It was on purpose. Every human has been uniquely created by God. The scripture tells us that that he knits us together in our mother's womb. I can't say enough that you were created intentionally with a unique design. When you give your life to Christ, he equips you with certain gifts of the spirit that we're gonna talk about this morning. Certain gifts of the spirit, and he intends for you to use those gifts of the spirit for his glory. If you're a believer, you have been given a spiritual gift, and in some cases, you've been given several spiritual gifts to be used for God. I want you to listen as I read Romans 12, three through eight. Um, It's another passage that I I mentioned a minute ago, and it talks about some of the gifts. It says this, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Verse four, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body, 
and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is, is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Know your spiritual gifts. At the end of the message today, um, I'll, I'll give you a, a resource that maybe some of you have never taken the time to fill out some kind of inventory or analysis to try to discover what might my spiritual gifts be. Because here's the deal, if you're a believer and a follower of Christ, you have them. So some people know them and they're exercising them. Some people are like, I have no idea what my spiritual gift is. Secondly, in your outline, check your body language. We're gonna look at verses 12 through 26. Body language speaks without using words, duh, right? The way we dress and walk and sit, as an example, can, can communicate something even if we never utter a word from our mouth. Like the saying goes, you cannot ever not communicate, meaning you're always communicating to those around you. So research regarding body language shows us that we're constantly reading body language of other people around us. So your nonverbal communication cues, the way you listen or look or move or react, tell the person that you are communicating with whether or not you care, if you're being truthful, how well you're listening, and when your nonverbal signals match the words that you're saying, in other words, they can reconcile those two things, it can build trust, clarity and rapport. But if they don't match, if your body language is saying one thing and your words are saying something else, tension, mistrust, confusion. Body language is very telling. In the same way, the body language of a church is also very telling. Verse 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So he begins with this analogy talking about comparing the human body and the body of Christ. Each part of the body of Christ, just like our, our physical body has a function that is necessary for the rest of the body as a whole in order to make it complete. And as we'll see throughout the rest of this chapter, there really are two extremes that we have to pay attention to. One is becoming too proud of your gifts or too proud of your abilities. And the other extreme of that is thinking that you don't have anything to offer the body. So one thinks that their gifts are superior, wow, look at me, and another thinks they have nothing to offer. Those are the two extremes. The church is a living organism, it's a breathing organism, and it's made up of people. The church is, as you, you know this, it's not this building, it's not the four walls, it's not a denomination. The church is all people who have responded to the truth of the gospel message. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Here's the gospel message right here. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are the church, those who are in Christ. An organism that changes through being molded and shaped kind of in the master's hand. God's people fit together just like the parts of the human body fit together. Each part is important because all are needed in order to make it functional. So verse 12 says the body is a unit. 
The body that Paul speaks of in this passage is the body of Christ, right? He is speaking in a twofold manner. He's talking about the local body of believers. Those of you who are here this morning, right now, right? Uh, and then he's also talking about the, the body of believers universally, those who know Christ. Again, all who know Jesus as their personal savior. So, so this body is made up of people with different upbringings, right? If we could just have one by one come up here and tell your story, different upbringings, different, uh, different life experiences, different ethnic groups, socioeconomic status. We have people from all age groups, some who have been believers for many years, some who are brand new believers, some who have uh, broken fellowship with God, have wandered away and they're coming back to God. As Paul said in verse 12, though we are all different and have many different parts, we form one body, a living, breathing organism that is being used by God to impact lives. Our backgrounds and our diversity should not scare us. It ought to excite us because God is using us collectively to reach people for Jesus and to grow people in Christ and in community. Whether the community for you is just, I gather on Sunday mornings with with my people or I gather in traditions or I gather in kindred or I'm in a life group. Community, he's using that community to reach people for Jesus and to grow people in Christ. But there's a common thread, verse 13. We were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Though there are many reasons to disagree and divide over, this one thing is true. We're bound together through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit who is threading us together like a piece of fabric. We are like a quilt, think of it like a quilt, the pieces of a quilt, and the Holy Spirit is the thread that is woven that binds us together. It is only through the truth of Jesus and the thread of the Holy Spirit that we will ever find unity. As soon as we ever rely on any other kind of truth or any other thread, we have to say, look out. This is often the one verse that we point to when we talk about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. See, some people say, well, when, did, when do we get the Holy Spirit? Is it before salvation? Is it the moment of salvation? Do we get the Holy Spirit three years later, five years later? And so I think this one verse we point to that shows and reminds us that we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, at the instant of salvation. We become a part of Christ's body and we receive him as savior. And it's at that instant. So if you are a believer, I'll remind you again, if you're a believer here this morning and you're a follower of Christ, you have the indwelling, the the Holy Spirit is indwelled in you and you are in him. So a believing Baptist and a believing Methodist all have the same spirit. A believing Lutheran and a believing Evangelical free all have the same spirit. When we get to heaven, there won't be a room for the Baptists. They're not gonna say Baptist over here, Lutheran over here, Methodist over here, E-free, you're over here. That's not gonna happen, right? We all will share a common space and we'll all worship the same Lord. When I say that, please hear me when I say, I'm not suggesting that all people will go to heaven. I'm not saying true love wins. In the end, everybody gets to go. I'm not saying that at all no matter what denomination you're part of. The scripture is abundantly clear that only those who know Jesus Christ as savior will enter into the kingdom of God for all eternity. Listen, there's gonna be believing Baptists, there's gonna be believing Methodists, there's gonna be believing Lutherans, believing Catholics, believing Reformed, believing Presbyterians, believing Mennonites, believing E-free, all believers. 
make up the church. The same is true of the Holy Spirit today. The Holy Spirit that is given to the Baptist is no different than the one that's given to the Methodist. We are the ones who are guilty of dividing the church, both locally and universally. It's not God. He only uses one thread. Not to say that there shouldn't be different gatherings based on interpretation or the expression of scripture, but all believers are one. So let's go a bit further, verses 14 through 16. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. So, so in other words, if a person who has been given the gift of serving as an example, that's one on the list, should say, well, because I can't teach, I don't belong here. Paul was saying, that's crazy, that's nonsense. Or because I'm not a leader, I must be in the wrong place. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? No one can function on their own. We need different roles, we need different functions, we need different offices. If we were all servers, who would lead? If we were all leaders, who would serve? If we all taught, who would learn? If we were all students, who would teach? Paul is saying that if we think because we don't have a certain gift, we don't fit, or because I'm not the the right kind of a person so I don't belong, we'll become unbalanced. Let me use a team analogy, right? I like sports. You need all different kinds of people to be effective. If a football team doesn't have a QB, well, for example, let's use the NFC North. Three of the four teams don't have a quarterback. And that's your team too. But instead they have all tight ends. Who would throw the ball? Taylor Swift, right? But if we're all linemen, who would they protect? the same analogy. So here at Bethel, we need everybody. We need the people that God has brought us in order to be most effective. So it's going to sound weird, but this is the deal. We need you. We need you. We can't all be a foot. We can't all be ears, but together we can make up a body that is purposeful, that is intentional about fulfilling the mission that God has given us here at Bethel and beyond. And the parts are not different for difference's sake. We are different in order to fulfill a purpose. We're a piece of the puzzle that God is building. What is your piece? Each part must be willing to perform its own function and not seek another function or role for which it was not made. We should be thankful for each gift that God has given and not take any one gift or the diversity of all the gifts for granted. So look at, look at his perfect design, verses 18 through 20. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So he's reinforcing it again. So just when Paul finishes addressing the issues of becoming out of balance, uh, or prideful thinking about our giftedness. He says, hold on, but, but in fact, God has arranged. 
God has organized the body exactly the way that he wants it to be. It's by his perfect design that we should ever have unity. We should ever have kingdom impact. Not by anything that we could ever do or accomplish. Churches split, churches divide, crash, burn every day because they have neglected to see that God is the head of the church and he's the master at building the church, utilizing every person and every gift that he has given. The spiritual gifts that you have right now are not by accident. God has gifted all believers very specifically, very intentionally. He did not gift his children by some random order or saying, oh, every 14th baby that I knit together, I'm gonna give the gift of teaching. That's not, that's not how he does it. It's not done by some random selection process where he looks down and says, oh boy, I better make some more servants. Just as God uniquely knitted you together, he uniquely gifted you in order that you can use your gifts to bring him glory. If you know me, or if you knew anything about my past, I was telling uh, Matt and Julia before the first service, if you know anything about my past and you were ready to watch a movie of the way I was raised and the experiences that I've had and, and all that, all the way, you know, there is no way I would be standing on this stage. There's no way, there's no way I would be teaching. There's no way that I would be leading if you looked at my path. So the only way I could ever possibly stand up here is because God has given me the spiritual gifts. It's gotta be God, literally. If you're here and you are, some of you are watching online and if you've made this your church home, God has brought you here to be a part of this body. He has brought you here to help Make up the body. You are not here by mistake. God has brought you here. You have a gift that he has given you that he desires for you to use to exercise in the body to make us most effective for his kingdom. If a body lacks a certain gift to be most effective, then God will bring that person. Man, I've watched this happen for years. Um, Hey, we're just, we're really lacking in this area. And then all of a sudden, God just brings us somebody. It's absolutely amazing how God does that. But again, he's, he's the master at the puzzle, right? He just brings it to us. Look what it says in verse 21 through 26. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern one for another. So when one person uh, who has a certain gift starts to believe that another person, because they have a different set of gifts, are really not all that important, they're not really needed, disunity starts to happen in the church. And when a person's gifted with teaching begins to say to a person who's gifted in serving, you're not as important as me. In fact, anyone could do your job. It's at that very moment that we've taken a seat at the table and we've said to God, you know, let, let us put the puzzle together. Every person, every gift are equal value. God did not gift some with greater gifts than others. 
It's no different than a marriage. God says that when two people come together and united as one and they get married, they become one, the scripture says. They have different roles, they have different functions, but both the man and the woman alike have the same value in God's eyes. Same value, different functions. Different functions, same value. The church is the same. God has equipped us with different gifts, functions, but we're all equal. Just because I stand on this stage and preach doesn't make me of greater value than anyone who works quietly in the background. Last week, I um, ran over to Home Depot after work one day just to pick some up quick. And I, I was coming down the aisle and I don't, I'll just call you person A, I don't know if you're here. But I was coming down the aisle and there's this guy standing there and he's just staring at me. He's standing like this. And I didn't recognize him at first. And, and so I said, oh, hey, how you doing? He's like, so you go to places like this? I'm like, yep. Um, if you heard my door story, I wish I didn't uh, go to places like this, but yes, I do go to places like this. He's like, I only know you on Sunday mornings. I only see you on stage. I didn't know you would go to Home Depot. And I'm like, he's like, uh, do you have a superpower or something? I'm like, I don't know, do I? I wish I knew if I had a superpower. Because I stand on this stage, because I preach, doesn't make me at all of greater value than someone who serves quietly in the background and never gets noticed, never gets recognized. The world's philosophy would say that a person's value is directly attached to their function. So if if their function, so to speak, is menial, are called less important, then their value is less. That's what the world would say. Remember what verse 22 says. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Those people who have so-called weaker or less important functions are actually indispensable. Paul says, was saying that we couldn't survive without them because one sings on the praise team and another one sweeps the floor, does that make the one better than the other? Both are equal value in the body. We could not survive without praising our Lord and Savior and we could not survive without somebody cleaning up. So some, some people ask, what's the difference in talents? Because somebody say, oh, they have a special talent or they have a special gift. So the difference between talent, having a talent and a spiritual gift is that a talent is natural, a spiritual gift is supernatural. Now, God also, as he knits us together um, through our genetic makeup, can give us talents in which we can enhance, but we work on those through the natural, right? A spiritual gift you cannot make up. You can't just all of a sudden decide, hey, I want this to be my spiritual gift, so I'm gonna work really hard at it. Uh, No, you only have a spiritual gift because God handed it out to you and said, here's your spiritual gift. Here's your spiritual gift, here's your spiritual gift. We need each other. All people need to be cherished and nurtured. All people need to be looked at with importance. Verse 24, the word but, but God has put the body together, brings everything back to God's sovereignty. It brings everything back to God's perfect plan and his perfect harmony. The word for division as is found in verse 25 is schism. It's a split or a gap. So when a person looks at a group of people who make up a local body and they see unity, 
So somebody on the outside is looking at a local body or a local church and like, that church just really seems to be unified. And they see oneness. And they see love flowing. And they see care that is given. It's an answer to Jesus' prayer. If you've never read John 17, I encourage you to do that. It's a beautiful prayer that Jesus prays. I want you to listen in on part of it. This was his prayer. That all of them may be one. He's praying to the Father. My prayer, Father, is that all of them may be one. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe, listen to this, so that the world may believe that you sent me. When the body lives in unity and people are using their spiritual gifts, the world looks on and begins to believe that Jesus is real and sent by God. Disunity in any church can usually be traced back to a lack of dependency on God through prayer and the word and pride that has wormed its way in. A number of years ago, I was driving between Ankeny, Iowa and Des Moines, which is about 15 miles apart. And I was going down to Des Moines, running an errand and um, I'm driving along, kind of spacing off and out my passenger window, I happened to notice a body part that was laying on the interstate. And I'm like, and it just kind of, you know, kind of wakes you up like, well, what was that? And I went a little bit further and then I see some more parts. And then I see a bunch of things in front of me. So I decided to pull over. I pulled over and I got out of the car and I looked and, and like the whole interstate was covered with what appeared to be body parts. One even looked like a baby. Like I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I looked down further and I see this truck that had flipped completely over in the median. And then I began to realize that these were animal parts. And this was a rendering truck that had just left a farm and it didn't have a canopy over it. So when it flipped, all the, all the animal parts went everywhere, strewn clear over the interstate. It was pretty disgusting. Churches that become disunified, whether that's because people are not using their spiritual gifts or because they have stopped depending on God or if they've allowed the, the worm of pride to make its way in or like a rendering truck. Parts that are separated spilled all over the street. Giving onlookers every reason to not believe. Let's never be that. Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. If one part of the physical body is out, body is out of sync, other parts make up for it, protect it, right? So if you're like, oh man, my back hurts, and pretty soon you realize, well wait, my knee hurts and my hip hurts, that's because they try to make up for the injured part. So it is with the spiritual body. When one is hurting, we all should hurt. When one needs care for it, we should all care. And at the same time, when, when God chooses to use someone in a mighty way, let's rejoice. Let me close with this. Again, a number of years ago, there was a magazine and there was a series of pictures. I think there were seven of them. And in each picture, there was um, a caption. And the first one, it was, it was a farmhouse and sitting on the porch was mom and dad. And if you look close enough, you could just see their faces. They were absolutely distraught. 
and discouraged. And then the second picture uh, was a picture of the backyard and it was this massive wheat field. And the caption explained that a seven-year-old boy uh, had been playing earlier that morning and wandered off into the wheat field. And after a few hours, the, the parents realized it and they couldn't find him right away. It was a difficult time of year with harvest and the wheat was between four and five feet tall and the weather was not conducive for survival at night. So they knew that they had to find him quickly. The next picture shows them running and yelling and screaming for the boy. And they realized by this time that they were up against the clock. The next picture, the next day, the family and friends joined together in the search and, and they were literally hundreds of people uh, searching the wheat field to try to find him. The next picture, three days later, there were thousands of people that now had gathered, family members and local people joining together to find the boy, still no luck, but they refused to give up. The next picture, one week later, basically the same picture, but it showed all the people joining hands in a cooperative effort because by holding hands with one another, they would walk the entire wheat field and they knew that they were, they'd be certain to find the boy that way. And the last picture showed many of the people standing in a circle with the dad, dad standing in the middle with a seven-year-old lifeless boy draped over his arms. And the mom was on the ground, um, hysterical, wailing, crying. You could see everybody was crying. And the caption said this, if only we had joined hands sooner, this might not have happened. Let me leave you with one thing. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Again, it's just a reminder. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. If you have a phone and if you're curious, um, this is just one of the tools. So this will take you to uh, spiritual gift inventory. And so some of you are like, I think I know my gifts, but maybe you just want to check it out. And like, um, I'm just going to go through this. It just takes a few minutes and, it, and you might be like, yeah, it might reaffirm that. Um, or you're like, I have no idea what my spiritual gifts are. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a believer in Christ. So you're telling me I have a spiritual gift. I have no idea. Um, just take the inventory. It'll, it'll help you maybe discover that. And oftentimes when you discover your spiritual gift, it'll be reaffirmed uh, through the people around you. So you might say, well, I have this spiritual gift. People might say, eh, you might want to take the inventory again. Um, or you might say, I have this spiritual gift. And other people are like, you absolutely have that spiritual gift and just affirm that in you. So if you don't know your spiritual gift or if you want to um, check it out again, that's a, that's a great tool. It's a great inventory. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for um, your word and um, that you... Everything you do is intentional. You don't make mistakes. It's not by accident. And it's humbling to think that every person in this room that's a follower of yours, at the moment that they're indwelled with the Spirit, you've uniquely gifted them. And Lord, forgive us for the times and the seasons in our life when maybe we didn't even have any idea that that was true. And so we weren't, we aren't using it. Or there's times when we, we do know our spiritual gift and we're not using it. God, I think that you're awakening in us. Lord, that you have brought this local body of believers together. And you've called us to understand how you've gifted us and to use those gifts because it is the way that we bring you glory by serving you 
Thank you, Lord. We need each other and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.